1: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
2: Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet.
1: Craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeart Country Radio. Discover more shows and movies for
3: free.
4: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio.
3: Radio. Oh, Living the Dream once again on a fabulous Saturday, Harbin and Hollins. How about this? In our Fox Sports Radio studios. I have interviewed Ryan a number of times over the years, talking hoops, and we share the same UCLA pedigree, but we've never done a show together, Ryan, and here we are. We've, yeah,
5: you know what? It, that gets fun. Like, I didn't... I think I've just worked with so many different people and you just, is, but wow, we, because when we talk, it's always natural, right? It's always smooth. It's never felt like an interview. It's two butts catching up. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we always go
3: back to our UCLA roots and we're talking about all this stuff, but actually sitting side by side, it's the first time, uh, lead a lap. Uh, we've estimating now how many different people have I Co-hosted a show. Do we have a number yet?
5: Oh, somewhere between
3: five hundred and a thousand,
5: something like that. Something like that. So, I, I I got to admit that you put that out there. I'm a little nervous now. <laughs> gotta, co- <laughs> I got to I got to bring it. <laughs> I, I got to be a better co-host than well, an interview. Let's put it this way: Everyone
3: <laughs> in this building has done shows. We just saw Lavar leading leaving the studio. I've done many shows with Lavar over the years, but Ryan, I tell you, the timing today is absolutely perfect for you to be here. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on, but we've got the final weekend of the NBA season. We got the NBA play. Going, uh, coming up, uh, the Basketball Hall of Fame. We've uh, been talking a lot about the the class of 2020, which was Kobe, Duncan, and KG. But there's a new class being announced tomorrow. The class of 2021, which will be combined with the class of 2020. So I definitely want to go over some names with you, oh, Ryan, okay. and, and okay. what you think is worthy of Hall of Fame. But right now the Lakers are in action. They're taking on the Indiana Pacers. Lakers are winning this game 104-94, about eight and a half minutes to go. And for the first time, the Lakers really have a full squad right now, Ron. They've got, obviously, LeBron back today, AD's back, Schroeder's back, uh, by the way, this is only the second game since they acquired Andre Drummond that they've had Drummond, LeBron, and AD in the lineup at the same time. So they played today, and they play tomorrow against the Pelicans, and we'll find out. They might be in the play-in. By the way, if the Lakers win their last two games, and Portland loses to Denver their final game, then the Lakers are the sixth seed, and Portland drops down to the seventh seed. But even whether it's a playing game or the playoffs, Ryan, do the Lakers have enough time to get everybody together in sync in
5: two games, essentially, to be ready for the postseason? Any other situation within my 10 years of experience and teammates and, you know, great runs, never got a championship. I had a deep run in the playoffs, I guess. (laughs) I don't know if you hang your hat on that, you know, (laughs) if you're not first, you're last, whatever. Um, I would say no. But. In talking with one of my former teammates and good friends and Jared Dudley, he said there's just something different about this Lakers core group to where LeBron has created an environment and G-Bus and everybody there where they're a family. They're on a text thread. They hang together. The kids hang out like like this isn't a group that was just thrown together. We think Brooklyn Nets thrown together. They got to figure it out. And LeBron James is the best leader in basketball. Yes, I say that to Kawhi. I say that to Kevin Durant. And sure as heck say it to Kyrie Irving. He's the best leader in basketball. So when your leader thinks about team, when your leader can score the basketball, as one of the NBA's greatest scorers we've ever seen, which LeBron doesn't get enough credit for, but can also pass the ball and wants you to succeed – The Lakers have an opportunity to step in and be special. They have an opportunity to make it work. And, yes, I hear the factors because you say, LeBron just got back. He doesn't know who he is. He's injured. Drummond hasn't looked as expected. And Anthony Davis is a guy who's either injured or been up and down. Is he the guy? You know, you still have question marks as excellent as he is everywhere else. You question, is he the guy? I think this team can do it.
3: Well, it's interesting how the odds are looking right now, Ryan, because the Lakers are favored to come out of the West. Whether they're a seven seed or a six seed, right now the odds makers still have the Lakers as the favorites to come out of the Western Conference, and they're second only to the Nets right now as far as winning the championship. So star power is such a factor when it comes to the postseason. And again, you have a guy in LeBron James. When you when you talk about all the different accolades like and when they're always comparing him to to Michael Jordan, Jordan didn't, did this and LeBron didn't do that and everything else. I'll ask you this cuz you you played in the league for a long time. When you look at I'm going to give you two we had we had Michael Jordan have two 3-peats interrupted by a retirement. He came back late in the next year failed in the playoffs against yep. Orlando and then three in a row. Is that more impressive or getting to the NBA Finals eight consecutive years, four years each, with two
5: different franchises? To each its own. And you, you know I'm the hot... I don't want to call myself the hot... I hate people calling me the hot take. I'm the guy who gives you my <laughs> opinion. I don't hold back, okay? I was called, Don't call me the hot take guy, all right? All right. Let's forget that said there. There's some people think that I'm the... I, I don't hold back. It's my honest truth. We will never take away from Michael Jordan's dominance. We will never take away from his dominance. Buckle up your seatbelts. Buckle up. Buckle up the seatbelt. Michael Jordan couldn't do that in this era, though. Free agency moves different. The bigs, the role players are different. Players are just more dynamic. I know Mike got knocked on his butt. I don't know if LeBron could have done what he did on the Bulls team. Would have had the same success. But LeBron James had to take a road in which he had to learn to be great. He had to go and sit under Dwayne Wade and Spolster and those guys to be great. So when we're thinking six for six championship, versus the times that LeBron James individually let's let say individually was the common denominator in getting his team to the championship game I can't take anything away from LeBron James either and because of LeBron James playing style we're going to we're diving into the yeah, yeah you got me you, you know you know what you're doing you got me started right <laughs>
3: Ryan, I am. I can't take I'm going to lead you down a path that you have no idea what you're in store for for the oh, next man. couple of hours here, because I know. Look at, look at. I'm the loose cannon. This has been my 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 thing from the get go. And yeah, you're not always going to please everyone. I just say it flat out, and I've been saying it ever since Cleveland came back from three one mm. deficit against a seventy three win Golden State win that clinched it to me. That is it. LeBron's the goat. Sorry, Michael Jordan. And again, it's not a matter of Diminishing what Michael Jordan did, it's just that what LeBron did was great her. How many Game 7s in the NBA Finals did Michael Jordan play? That would be zero. Hmm. When you look at the competition on the other side. Wasn't the same? It wasn't the same. And LeBron, everyone says, well, he's four and six in NBA Finals. He was only favored in the NBA Finals three of those times. Jordan's team was the favorite all six times they won the championships they were they were the favorites doing what they were supposed to do in winning those six championships that was not the LeBron situation the only time that he went to the Finals where they expected him to win was the year they
5: and and lost was the year they lost to Dallas here's here's the difference between Mike and braun mm-hmm. and a lot of people agree or disagree with it because I'm 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 on I don't want to say on your side. I'm along the side that LeBron James is the greatest basketball we have ever seen and it's going to take some time in retirement for a lot of people to understand and respect that he wins a championship this year. Them doubters will still be there. He wins a championship this year. Oh, it doesn't matter because he's
3: lost (laughs) six NBA finals. And he has a six where Jordan
5: has a zero. How do you feel about this? Michael Jordan wants to win the war and the battle. Yeah. And he's going to win every single battle. And he's going after you. LeBron James is curious about the war. Mm -hmm. LeBron James ain't trying to take your heart. I played against Bron. He ain't trying to take your heart when he plays you. But when it's time to go, Mm -hmm. when it's go time, when we were up 3-2 with the Celtics and we had Garnett and Pearson Allen and and, and they had to come into our house and everything said that LeBron James was going home, Mm. he came with it. He showed us he was the king.
3: He is. I mean, there's no question. that's why, despite the fact that he has just returned from injury and they only have today and tomorrow to get ready for whatever awaits them in the postseason, the Lakers are the favorites in the Western Conference. The Clippers are the number two pick. And you're like, well, wait, hey, Utah's the one seed. Phoenix is the two seed. <laughs> two seed. Let me ask you this about the Lakers. All right. So if they, if the Lakers end up the sixth seed, they would open up against the Clippers. Who, by the way, have not lost a season series to the Lakers since 2012. With all wow. the problems the Clippers have had in the postseason, in the regular season, they have owned the Lakers. They I was a, swept I was them a part year. of
5: that. I was a part of that. I know you were. I yeah, appreciate now, it. Now, <laughs>
3: but if, if the Lakers are the 7th seed, so the way the play-in works, the 7th seed would play the 8th seed. So let's say the Lakers play Golden State. Mm-hmm. The winner of that game is the 7th seed. The loser that game then plays the winner of the 9-10 game to determine the eight seed. But if you were the Lakers right now, knowing that you're just still trying to get everybody back going, who would you rather face in the opening round of the playoffs? Would you rather face the 3-seed, the Clippers, or the 2-seed, the Phoenix Suns?
5: I'd rather take Steph Curry in a playing game and Phoenix (laughs) all day and twice on a Sunday. That's what I'm saying, right? Yo, because Bron is a – here's the deal – even at 50, 60, 70, Bron is a matchup problem. The Lakers' defense, playing on, on all cylinders, let's say you get drumming out of foul trouble; they are a problem. When you play against the Clippers, they got bodies to throw at Bron. Oh, yeah. I, you, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I don't want LeBron James to work an ounce harder than I need him to work. I don't need... The screens getting switched. I don't need him having to, you know, roll into the post and play bully ball. I want him standing and facilitating and, and rolling Devin Booker down to the block and posting him, him up and triple teaming Steph Curry and, and making Juan Toscano, whoever, <laughs> beat you and Traymond from the perimeter. That's what I want to see. I, I like. I, I'm just going to be, and I know, you know, we're real chance. We don't fear anybody. Oh, LeBron ain't. I mean, he looked pretty good today, but he. Ain't, LeBron ain't LeBron yet. Let's let's let him come around, okay? I'm with you. I mean, I, uh,
3: Phoenix. They just beat Phoenix the other day with nobody on the court, yeah. right? So yeah, they could beat the Suns. The Clippers might be a different challenge, and I don't think the Lakers want to be going down in the opening round against their rivals down the hall. All right. On the other side, we got a lot to get to as far as the postseason concerned. But I want to want to get Ryan's thoughts here on wit. What kind of regular season this has been? I mean, this is the final weekend of one of the strangest regular seasons in NBA history. We'll find out what Ryan has to say coming up next.
2: Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex
6: places
3: Steve Harbin Ryan Hollins finally took so long Harbin and Hollins all right let's um before we start digging into some potential matchups here with playing games and playoffs and everything else Ryan I want to get your thoughts on this season so there's a little irony coming up here So we got a late start to the season because, obviously, we had an extremely late finish the last season. So a season normally starts at the end of October. This one started at the end of December. So that's a two-month-later start. But the end of the season is going to be pretty close to when a normal NBA season ends. And that was to accommodate the Olympics in Tokyo. Now there's all kinds of buzz that we may not once again get the summer games because they're having major outbreaks of COVID in Japan right now. Wouldn't that be ironic, the only reason the NBA did this? And, of course, one of the things, Ryan, that's perplexing to a lot of people, and I'm sure you know the reason for this, why was it so important for the NBA to – I mean, they condensed the schedule from 82 to 72, but they really condensed the schedule. I mean, teams have been playing almost every other day to get this 72-game schedule in. We've had a lot of big names sitting out for a variety of reasons, whether it's injuries, load management, whatever it is. They're just like, no, I'm not going to maintain this type of schedule for 72 games. But the idea that this was so important for the NBA to have a presence in these Tokyo games, does that just speak volumes about how deep the NBA is financially with Asian countries right now? Is this such a absolute must source of revenue that they have to make sure that they have a major presence in the Tokyo
5: games? I think it's about honor. Uh, and when I say honor, like what, what do you guys mean? Uh, honor, to me, the NBA wasn't hurting for money. You know, they've got enough, more than enough, for a rainy day. But the one thing, when honor comes to play, you want to get back to normal. And when you have sponsors and and you know Olympic games and things, you honor the game of basketball. You get back to it. So. You know, hey, who has the NBA? We'll say Turner, ESPN, got NBA rights, right? They were leading out. When there was no basketball, the COVID break happened, the bubble was nice to come around. But when we have an agreement that says, hey, man, we're going to do this for 82 games and playoffs, and it's just pulled out from under the rug, which a lot of things were uh, during COVID and still are. You know, we're not – back to normal yet. I'm glad the vaccines are working, but the honor system says the NBA says we want to get back to normal. And The quicker that we can do things and we have to go through this patchy rough, you know, hard tough stage that we can get back to normal. Things are going to be good for us. The Olympics is huge. You know, think about guys like Carmelo Anthony. We we know Carmelo Anthony more so as an Olympic champion, three-time right? champion, and what he's done there. Chris Paul has never made it past the Western Conference Final, but we know how great he was on that team. He had the huge go-ahead bucket where he hit the little hesitation stop and go and got a bucket with with Kobe and LeBron. Okay, and those can I guys. slow you
3: down for a second here, Ryan? Only because I wanted to ask you this because I've I've always looked at this from the very beginning with the Dream Team in '92 which was a reaction to what happened in 88 when our team failed to win a championship. They just had the wrong mix of players. When we were still having our college stars represent us at the Olympic Games, and I felt like the Dream Team was just an overreaction. It was sort of cool to see all these guys on the (laughs) court, but I mean, the games were absurd and ridiculous. And then a few years ago, all of a sudden, even with our NBA stars, we don't win the Olympic gold medal. Monte Ginobili and company was able to wrestle that away uh, from the United States. But this this gets to me about this whole idea of being a global sport unlike the nfl which is really america we, we're totally you know because it's yep. such a monster in america not dependent on the foreign dollar but is it potentially dangerous and we've had a lot of controversy arise obviously with the nba's relationship with china over the years but is that is that a tough way to navigate a league when you are trying to project it on a global stage,
5: yes and no. Uh, it, here's the thing about NBA players versus uh, you know Major League Baseball, you know NFL. I probably say soccer is is number one as far as global mm-hmm. global uh, respect. The NBA is still reaping the benefits. From the Dream Team, as you just brought out. Right. Michael Jordan and the boys went to Spain and, 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 and played. And they changed everything to where now, to an international level, think about our stars, the best players in the league, Nikola Jokic, Going to be MVP. Mm-hmm. Okay, Giannis onto the couple two-time MVP. Greece. Okay, uh, Joel and Bead Cameroonian. Cameroonian. So these guys, Luka Doncic, Luka De- like are the future of our league. Yeah, <laughs> is not as it we once known. It's not the American born player. this Things are changing in the league. It brings more money. It brings more revenue. Um, It, it just changes things. And when we talk global versus just, you know, our, our country, an American thing, it, it, we're talking a whole it's, it, just, hey, But you uh, do
3: have, my point is, is that you, you have to answer to more people then. So you you have to not just answer to your American sponsors. You have to have Chinese sponsors. You have all these different sponsors around the world, and they want a piece of you. And there's only so much to go around. And at some point, suddenly... You're faced with a dilemma. I got to make a choice here. It's one versus the other. This is why the controversy with China was a potentially serious situation. I give Adam Silver all the credit in the world. This Absolutely, guy, this guy knows how to. This he's a master of just a deception game or whatever is necessary to try to keep everybody on the same page. Uh, and and the NBA would be, I think, in serious trouble without him. But. It, it, it Even with Silverwood concede, it can get a little
5: complicated at times trying to please everybody. Risk versus reward. And, uh, you know, I don't want to dive too far into that, that situation that happened in China, but there's different cultures mm-hmm. in which there aren't great. And I'm not saying one is right, one is wrong, and when you start questioning people's culture and their morals and, and the way their political systems are built, which the NBA, as much as we've stepped into it, doesn't want to step into it. You want to just play basketball until there there are bigger matters at hand. That's why it is tough with the international game, uh, because you offend somebody on an international level. It is different. And I've gone to China twice with the NBA and played in preseason games and everything. And it is we are, I mean, we are lectured from the way we speak, the way we act, the way we respect different culture. Because, and the, I guess the biggest fear that they would throw to our guys is like, hey, we can't just bail you out of an international jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we <laughs> saw that with the UCLA yeah. kids. Oh, yeah. You guys don't want to mess up. So we're like, hey, we're on our, our P's and Q's. And it's an amazing experience, but. Some things you don't necessarily want to dabble into without having knowledge or understanding because there's different cultures, but for the NBA, that is by far what you said, the slippery slope when we talk about international play and revenue and money being made because it's a heck of a lot of revenue, but (laughs) be careful what you ask for, all right?
3: All right. So when I talk about play in games, this really irks me. I mean... Look, I honor, I always understand. And, yeah, if you got a Laker-Golden State playing game, we're going to get a lot of eyeballs on that game. Oh. That's a guarantee. Oh. That's that oh. number. You know what's not going to get a lot of eyeballs? San me. Antonio-Memphis. That ain't going to get a oh. lot of eyeballs on that game, that 9-10 matchup. But when you start doing all these things, and now all the talk about having some kind of in-season, separate tournament that the NBA's been, you know, talking about and everything else. When you, and, and Major League Baseball's done the same thing where they it seems like a lot of gimmicks are going on right now, trying to bring new eyeballs into the sport and everything else. And you talk about a slippery slope, Ryan. I'm mm. that's that's when I start thinking, I'm sorry, we're we already have eight, sixteen of your thirty teams in the playoffs. <laughs> now you're gonna add four more teams that are gonna get a taste of the postseason. Are you all in on this play? You heard what LeBron said. The guy that came up with this idea should be fired. That was his suggestion. But
5: what what are your thoughts about this playing tournament we're about to see next week? I'll give you uh, real quick from a league perspective. You know, I've had talks with Adam Silver, amazing guy, mm-hmm. and you know, we've spoken about the You know, this one of the biggest concerns that the NBA had was tanking. It questions the integrity of the game. We see it in every sports. It's always been there. But, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers just took it to another level. Load management had always been there. It was just taken to finally a Finally, they benefited level. from it. Yeah, they <laughs> right? finally benefited. Yeah, um, But ultimately, from a league standpoint, it is an answer to tanking. You know, because you just gotta get ugly to miss that the playoffs right now. And if you have an opportunity, you excite your fan base. There is uh there's a whole half of almost half the NBA that gets shut out come around this time of year because you know your team's not going to the playoffs mm-hmm. and you end up cheering for another team, but now you can stick with your fan base because you never know what might happen. <laughs> From a former player standpoint, I hate it because you work your tail off going into 82 games to be able to rest and to play your best. And as a player, the only thing, the media, we grade these guys on, and I was graded on as a former player, was your playoff and championship success. When you're looking at the Lakers, you're not going... Oh man, they did that in the playing game. Or, like, man, they, they had to work their tail off to get that spot from Portland. You're like, no, did LeBron win a championship? Yes or no? So, when you take energy outside of that and potential injury can come from that, I don't like it as a player. From a fan's perspective, it's twofold. I love it because I'm interested. I've questioned that NBA basketball, these guys don't play that hard, and I don't want to see the scrubs on the floor. No disrespect, I was a scrub, to my definition. (laughs) I had a game I started on TNT against the Miami Heat, all right? and You you wanted Kevin Garnett? You didn't want Ryan Hollins on the floor, all right? It's not as God, true. But now I get to see these guys having to go and get these games that they didn't have to before, but here's how it flips on a plan. Let's say by God's grace, whatever happens, LeBron James loses in the playing game. Cause this wasn't made for LeBron and the Lakers and the you know the 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 favorites to go. Are you gonna keep watching without LeBron in the playoffs? Well,
3: I mean, you you I, I, exactly you, you where I was going, right? Utah Ryan. Phoenix? If, if you got if you had the Lakers are the seven seed at the least right now. If they're the seven oh, seed and they lose the Golden State and lose the winner of the nine oh, ten game, and you eliminate LeBron from the playoffs. Uh,
2: Turn Antonio. it off!
3: That is a nightmare scenario for the NBA. And they are praying that's All not going right. to happen. By the way, if they were to lose to Golden State, I don't care who they're playing, Memphis or San Antonio, Dude. the NBA is going to make sure the Lakers win that oh, game. Oh, don't say that! I am don't telling say, you, don't give they me a are going to make sure they lose that game. All right, let's find out what's <laughs> trending right now. Let's welcome in yet another UCLA Bruin. Uh-oh. Ralph Irvin is in the house. Ralphie?
7: Well, we got the Lakers playing right now. Inside of 12 seconds to go, they are wrapping up a win over Indiana, 121-113, and because of the play-in game, this game matters. Otherwise, the Lakers would easily be in the playoffs. That's why LeBron James is still on the floor right now, and whether or not they're going to play tomorrow or they're going to uh, advance to that out of that play-in game, keep in mind the Pelicans have announced that Stephen Adams, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Brain, and Ingram, Zion Williamson, all out for tomorrow's game in New Orleans between LA and the Pelicans. So. Mm. Yeah, I think Well, it
3: comes down to that Portland-Denver game then.
7: It's going to come down to Portland and Denver, and Denver now has a shot to move up to the three spot in the West. So there is some incentive there. Uh, A final in as Brooklyn does, in fact, beat the – Chicago Bulls 105-91, the final score. The Nets have won four straight. Wrapping up overtime, in fact, it's going final right now. The Knicks 118-109 win over the Charlotte Hornets. New York gets 33 points, 13 assists, 10 rebounds from Julius Randle in this win. As they now sit a half game ahead of Miami in the race for the 5-6 and spots in the Eastern Conference. And the Spurs with, or excuse me, the Suns, an 88-60 lead over the Spurs. 6-16 to play in the third quarter. 27 points for Devin Booker in this contest. One other game going on as the Celtics have an 83-60 lead over Minnesota. 4-29 to play in the third quarter there. On the Diamonds, the Mets playing at Tampa Bay. And the Rays, thanks to a five-run fourth inning, have a 6-5 lead over New York. That game is in the eighth inning. And the most important thing on the schedule, gentlemen, coming up at 8 o'clock Eastern, just over the hill from us at the amazing Speaker Aquatic Center. That's where the UCLA Women's Water Polo Team plays in the <laughs> semifinals of the NCAA tournament against Stanford. Wow,
3: there it is. UCLA Stanford Water Polo, the ladies. I ah. like it. Very, very good, Ralph. Very, very yes, good. Yes, sir. You had many ties of Ryan over the years, did you not? You knew. You knew well. <laughs> yes. Ralph has just faded away. I mean, Big Ralph. Big Ralph. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes.
4: <laughs>
3: All right, Ralph. We'll talk to you a little bit later on. All right. We're, we're talking a little bit here, Steve Hartman and Ryan Hollins, about this NBA season that's going to close out the regular season this weekend. So, as Ralph just mentioned here, by the way, I'm looking at some of the numbers in this Lakers game, and if you're a Laker fan, they're very encouraging. Uh, Anthony Davis, 28 points, shooting 9 of 18, Ryan, in this game. You know, he's had some shooting struggles since he came back from his latest injury. LeBron looks like LeBron, 28 minutes, 24 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. That's LeBron James. Andre Drummond got a double-double, 11 points. 15 rebounds. By the way, speaking of rebounds, why is this guy such a dominant offensive rebounder, Andre Drummond, during the course of his career? I mean, the guy led the league in offensive rebounds like every year, four or five years in a row. What makes a great offensive rebounder as opposed to a defensive rebounder?
5: Well, I'll say one thing. I spoke with Andre Drummond. We actually had him on the, uh, our podcast, Opinion 87-Footer. He's a great guy, man. Loved that dude. And he just had an interesting take that most young players don't come to And as we were like, you know, Dre, why rebounds? You're known for this. You led the league. The same question you just asked. He said early in his career, he looked around and said, well, I know I'm not great on defense. It's something I can improve on. He said, I know I can score and dunk, but that may not always be there. But he said, the one thing I can do Mm -hmm. is rebound the basketball, and it comes down just to, to a matter of conditioning. And he's like, I just made up on my mind to go after it, and I knew that's something that I could be great at, and he is. And I'll say from playing against Andre on the other side, he's such an intriguing – he's like a bear, dude, in the sense that guys that big don't move like that. And I just remember it's not too often a guy will grab a basketball over my head where I'm peeking back to see who, who's taking this rebound from me. But, you know, he's just taking what he has – And he's embraced it and it's taken him a long way.
3: Ryan, uh, as a big man, I I want to get your thoughts on the evolution of the big man. Uh, Tomorrow, the Basketball Hall of Fame, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, is going to announce the class of 2021, which will join the class of 2020 with Kobe, KG and Tim Duncan in a combined ceremony, which obviously they didn't have last year because of the COVID outbreak. It's already been leaked out, although the official class will not be announced until tomorrow. But one guy that will be in this class is Ben Wallace, whose career scoring average over 16 years in the NBA was 5.7 points a game. That was his career scoring average. Hmm. We thought Rodman. Rodman was at 7.3. <laughs> uh, ben Wallace at 5.7 points a game for his career He's going to go into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, obviously in the strength of four-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Even Takembe Mutombo, who also in the Hall of Fame, but he averaged about 9.8 points a game. So I'm trying to get from a big man's perspective, trying to evaluate the value of a big man. Then and now, how do you measure the effectiveness when you're looking at Big man numbers. Is it defense? Is it rebounding? Is it scoring? As a big man, how do you gauge who the best big men actually are?
5: Well, if we're going to size two guys up, normally you talk about a one on one performance. You know, if you put Nikola Jokic up against Joel Embiid healthy, I would say to argue Joel Embiid is better because he's going to eat Jokic's lunch. He, Jokic knows he can't guard him. As far as who's playing better at the moment, who's the better player, I would say Nikola Jokic. You see his overall impact. With a really, really good big man or great player, you think of i – I'm going to put a G word out here. I don't want you to forget this. Mm -hmm. Gravity. Yeah. Great players have gravity that comes to them. They impact everyone around them. So Nikola Jokic has – he's arguably the best – no, he's not – he's the best passing big man we have ever seen, I've ever competed against, ever seen. They run offense around him. Jamal Murray, in and out. Aaron Gordon traded halfway through the season, doesn't even know the darn plays, but he's getting assists from Jokic, okay? LeBron James has gravity. We see what happens when he's out. The Lakers are up and down. Uh, they're teeter-totter. They're struggling. He's back. All is well in the world. Great players have gravity. Truly great players. Great players. So when a big man has gravity to him, you may value a Nikola Jokic different in the way than in Embiid, especially seeing that we can both agree that Embiid has a better one-on-one skill set. That's why, in my mind, Kevin Durant is not going to be in that goat conversation ever because he doesn't have gravity. He's great at what he does beyond great historically great but he doesn't come with gravity that's no disrespect so when these big guys start having gravity and they win championships or championships are won on the back of a big man again you got me yeah and you know i think back to marcus saul uh in his prime was that kind of guy with tremendous
3: passing big man Then you look at a guy like Ben Wallace. He really was a one-note pony, right? I mean, he was a dominant defensive player. He wasn't contributing much of anything at the offensive end. Can you be considered a Hall of Famer? I mean, a Hall of Famer means you are now immortalized with the all-time greats of the
5: game if you have a one-dimensional game. Well, check this. Okay, check this. For one, let's understand that a Basketball Hall of Fame is not like footballs. Football, you are taking the cream of the crop, the best of the best. Our Hall of Famers is from a overall right. basketball, high school, college. Hey, Come in, I it, slow you down some, for a second. Talk me, to me. Talk oh, to me. Oh, man. No, no, I'm don't sorry. get me started.
3: <laughs> all right, here's what I do not understand about the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh-oh. There is a separate college basketball Hall of Fame. There is a separate Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. There is a separate FIBA, International Basketball Hall of Fame. You know what there's not? An NBA Hall of Fame. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as an NBA Hall of Fame. So while these Mm. other people are being honored twice, the top women, the top international players, the top college players, they can be actually honored twice the NBA has to lump their biggest stars and the NBA obviously is the creme de la creme of the greatest basketball players ever assembled in the history of the world. Wow. And yet they have to sort of share the stage as you said we've had high school basketball coaches inducted into the basketball yeah. Hall of Fame. <laughs> and 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 the women and the international stars. So you start seeing a bunch of names and you're know, like who are these people? I don't even know these people. I've never even heard some of these names. And they're sitting alongside Jordan and Kobe and all these all, all-time all NBA legends. I, I've never understood it. Because like you said, in football, we have a pro football Hall of Fame. We have a college football Hall of Fame. Uh, but they don't do that. There's no such thing wow. as an NBA Hall of Fame. And it, I've never it
5: understood it. Wow, you and I think probably I would argue the closest that the NBA came, but it wasn't official. Was the, the you know couple, some years back now uh, the top fifty, you know, right. top fifty? That was the closest thing to honored, but it's not official. Wow, you got to run with that because that's I I don't well, want to say I, it's a real get, problem, well, let but let, yeah. Let me give you an example here. So I'm
3: looking at the list of the nominees, and again, okay. this class of 2020 is going to be announced. So I'm we're gonna, kicking Bill
5: Walton. Walton started all this, man. Think about we're Bill, Bill Walton. Big think big. about Bill Walton. I no, love that. Va- no. Uh, ben Wallace. Ben Wallace. We're kicking Bill too. Bill, you're no. out of here no. too. <laughs> no.
3: But Bill Walton, look, I love Bill. Bill and okay. I have known each other forever, and I absolutely who doesn't love Bill Walton? He, is, he, is, that, Bill he is an absolute gem. But his NBA career was shortened by injuries. Absolutely. He is arguably the first or second greatest center in the history of basketball, along with Lou Alcindor, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul Jabbar, in the history of college basketball. But if you had an NBA only Hall of Fame, now he won an MVP award, he won a championship at Portland. He had that one big comeback here with Boston, where he led him to help him with a championship, six man of the year. Is that enough to put you in an NBA Hall of Fame when you eliminate what he did in college? Yeah, two two
5: hot albums might not put you in. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? Exactly. No, no disrespect, but yeah, if if we're gonna go. You know, it, and a lot of people, it's funny, they are always confused when they see a Basketball Hall of Fame and we're like, you know, hey, Grant Hill is going in and, and Ben Wallace. But those are great players, but you're right, it's Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It, Marcus, you, Johnson, Marcus Johnson. Marcus
3: Johnson is a finalist. Now, okay, on the other side, I want to get to some of these names. So I want to go down some of oh, these man. names and Let's I want go. to get Ryan Holland's <laughs> thoughts on yay or nay for the Hall of Fame. Are it, we
5: going Hall of Fame or like our Hall of Fame? Our Hall of Fame. <laughs> the only true
3: Hall of Fame, Ryan, coming up next. Steve Harbin and Ryan Hollins. Tomorrow, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame will announce another class that will combine with class of 2020 that had KG, Kobe, and Tim Duncan, plus others, with this class for a big induction ceremony. Now, some of the finalists that will be under consideration... We mentioned uh, Ben Wallace. It's leaked out that Ben will be part of this class, but I want to throw some other names at you. Um, I will pass over the two coaches on the list Rick Adelman. I- I'll put this about Rick Adelman. And by the way, Bill Russell as a coach. If you don't, here's another uh, thing about the Basketball Hall of Fame. You can be actually inducted twice as both a coach. And a player, or as a coach and a contributor, or as a player and a contributor, you can actually be inducted again in a separate category.
5: There's a shot for me still. Yeah. There's hope. Yes. There's a (laughs) lot of
3: different ways, Ryan, for you to get in, for sure. But Bill Russell's been nominated because he did win two championships. First African-American coach to win an NBA championship when he was a player coach with the Boston Celtics his last two seasons. So technically, he was the coach of two NBA championship teams. But I want to focus on the players because these are guys you know you played against most of these guys during the course of your career. Let's talk about Chris Bosh for a second here. Chris Bosh, it was interesting how his career developed once he joined the Big Three in Miami because he was third on that list. I mean, technically, Dwayne Wade, it was Dwayne Wade's team. Absolutely. Until LeBron showed up. Yeah. And then you had Chris Bosh, who was really the third wheel on that team. Now, he benefited from the hype of the big, you know how the all-star teams work. He made 11 all-star games. He also collected over $70 million in salary when he never played a single game the last three years of his career because of the circulation, the, the complications with clotting, but the contract was Guaranteed and he collected seventy million dollars over three years without playing a game. Chris Bosch, was he better than advertised or how did you look at his career?
5: I had to play against Bosch. He for for me, he was one of my hardest covers because he could he could shoot the ball, go left, go right, he intelligent. You know, you had to guard him and pick and roll, and you know, he just knew how to play the game. When he played at Miami, I made a I made a statement while on T V before that got everybody up in arms. And I said it was a big two and a half. It wasn't a big three. And when I made that statement, it was never to disrespect Chris or that we he wasn't a great player. It just didn't fit. It it was and we played against in in the playoffs and it was it was LeBron and it was Wade that we were concerned with. The system didn't pay dividends to a power forward as talented as he he was who could stretch the floor, post up and you know could guard multiple positions it just didn't work out. So uh Chris is by all means by definition a basketball Hall of Famer but He's not someone that you would look at as the LeBron, as the Wade, but very undervalued for the sacrifices he made. All-stars don't always make sacrifices to be champions, and Chris Bosh did that. Another big three that will be in the Hall of
3: Fame. Uh, Obviously, Ray Allen is in. KG is in. And now, Paul Pierce. His latest shenanigans may not Help him. <laughs> I will say about Paul, man, if you're going to get fired by somebody, there's a good way to do it. Just call him out and guarantee you'll be fired. Obviously, he didn't need the paycheck. That's why he did it. But I mean, Paul Pierce, you know, a local guy here in LA growing up, went to Kansas and yep. then obviously played his entire career with the Celtics. Well, how do you put Paul
5: Pierce's career in perspective? Paul Pierce is extremely underrated. He made I always speak about, you know, in sports, you don't have the opportunity to play with great players or have opportunity, you know, have the opportunity. It doesn't always come. So you take advantage while it's there. When we were with the Lob City Clippers before, you know, we before we lost, we didn't know we we're like, man, we have a chance to win a championship. Let's go make good on it. As soon as Paul Pierce was surrounded by great players by Ray Allen. Uh, by Kevin Garnett, by by Ryan Hollins, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he winning, he winning, had a chance, maybe had a championship. You
3: will be the first guy he mentions. You think they'll hold it against him, his latest shenanigans, and make
5: him wait another year for the Hall, or what do you think? Here's the deal. He's single. He shouldn't. Well, Paul Pierce is single. When he did what he did, he, he was single. He's not a married man. You know, I don't want to dive into that. Forgive me if I offend anybody, but right. he was within his rights, and I don't even know why he was fired, you know, so to speak. Maybe there's something I don't well, know. We did
3: call out his company <laughs> during that video. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Well. laughs> I mean, okay. On uh, the other side, uh, we had a big basketball season. We get to uh, – more with Ryan
4: Hall is coming up next. Fox
2: Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at
5: foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
2: Promotional offer not available in Washington DC.
1: There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- <laughs>
6: Places.
3: All right, rolling along here on this big Saturday. Hartman and Holland's with you. They're having Basketball Hall of Fame ceremonies going on right now for the class of 2020. And tomorrow they'll announce a new Basketball Hall of Fame class. So like everything else with the NBA and the basketball world, everything's sort of overlapping because schedules have been changed uh, dramatically. You know, when they show all these highlights of Kobe, I I don't know about you, Ryan, but it it still does not register. You know, I, I had the great fortune of working on the Laker flagship station during this great run of, you know, Kobe's second run there. And with working with Michael Thompson and Vic the Brick, and we had our great show at that time in L.A., and. Saw Kobe every day. I mean, you know, we came incredibly close, and he always got him. He called me bandwagon man because I was uh, of, the day the more the show after he scored the eighty-one. This is how I opened the show. Another uneventful two assist night for Kobe Bryant, <laughs> and he just loved that. I mean, there was something about me taking constant digs at him that intrigued him because when you're Kobe, everyone was always praising you because you're Kobe Bryant. I mean, I love Kobe. I mean, we we just got along famously. Uh, we sort of got each other, that type of thing, when you're with somebody and covering them all the time. I can remember in 08, after the disappointment, you know, and I was there in 04 when they got, you know, swept three in a row by the Pistons to close out that series. Phil gets fired. Shaq's jettisoned. They don't make the playoffs in 05, 06, 07. They lose in the first round of Phoenix. And then 08, they pick up Hal Gasol, suddenly get on this run. And I will never forget Kobe in that run because we were there in Denver. We were there in Utah. We were there in San Antonio. We were there in Boston. They end up losing the finals to the Celtics. And you talk about the look of the warrior. Like Kobe was always very engaging not during that playoff run. It wasn't just us. It was everyone. He was the Mamba. The Mamba focus. Uh, he was on a mission. He knew I have the team that can do this. I have the team that could actually pull this off. They came up short, obviously. Then they won the next two championships. But it is still hard for me to believe he's not with us anymore. It just, it. just I was here on the air, sitting in this very mm. seat, when the story broke. And we couldn't believe it. We were just numb. I'm still numb, and it's been a couple of years. But I want to get your thoughts, because obviously you knew Kobe, you played against Kobe. You know what other players said about Kobe on a day that he is being honored by the Hall of Fame. I'd like to hear what Ryan Hollins has to say about the life, the career of
5: Kobe Bryant. Basketball players have egos. I'm not just talking about on the court, because you're supposed to have an ego on the court. You're supposed to be the biggest, baddest thing on the court. Kobe Bryant didn't have an ego off the court. Uh, I was drafted by Michael Jordan, had the privilege of playing for him. When Michael walks around, he's Michael, okay? Mm -hmm. He's Michael. You know, he's intelligent, smart, funny, witty, all that, but he's going to let you know he's Michael. Kobe Bryant was so selfless outside of the game that it was enamoring for a player that you could argue the greatest player of all time, one of the greatest by all means, was so humble and would pour into you. I was at an NBA 2K event and um you know Kobe was one of the like they had a, like a current player hall you know hall of fame player deal, and Kobe was the the cover athlete and it was right when he retired and he just walked over to me and in a crowd full of people and going around and we spoke and we talked for like me and Kobe probably talked for like 30 45 minutes there how you doing how the kids this and that. Players don't do that. That's not common. It's common for guys to walk by you. You know, Kobe Bryant would love, I don't want to say, the but he loved you for you. Like, one of my favorite teammates also, Roni Turioff. Roni Turioff was one of Kobe's guys. Mm -hmm. There was no reason other than that he loved Roni and he was a honest, hardworking, good guy. And what's tough for myself, I grew up on Kobe Bryant. And he was drafted in 98. I stood outside of the Glendale Galleria for three straight hours to get a Kobe Bryant signed basketball. By the time I get there, Kobe had left. One of the greatest gifts my father gave me. He saw my heart was broken that day because I waited for Kobe. Mm-hmm. He, he spent $800 of money we didn't have to get a Kobe Bryant basketball that's probably worth a lot mm-hmm. more money right now. but. I go from the kid outside the store waiting for Kobe to compete against them, and he's given me so many memories, and it's so often that your childhood heroes let you down in person. You know what I'm saying? And Kobe was all that and more, and to find out more about him, that he didn't just compete on the court. He competed as a father. He fought to keep his family intact and be in his kids' ch- lives, even to the point where he he passed away with that in hand. I, listen, man, I cried. I, I lost my father. I cried like I lost my father when I lost Kobe because it hurt on a different level. Uh, so it's, it's too soon. It hurts. It stings. It's an unfortunate reminder that real life happens to those that we think are impenetrable, But Kobe's legacy to me as a father, as a basketball player, as a competitor, when they say the Mamba mentality, I feel it and I understand it. But it's 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 things, dude. It's 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 pretty much not a day that goes by. Kobe gave me my ultimate
3: dad moment. Hmm. So I have three kids. My oldest son is a big movie buff, which is something I'm happy about. My father was in the movie industry, and so he's followed in his grandfather's footsteps. My daughter She's 20 now. She's a superstar in every way. <laughs>
0: uh,
3: my, my younger son is an NBA fanatic. Like He lives and breathes the NBA, the Lakers, 24-7. And he has since he was a kid. And Kobe was his all-time guy. So Kobe's last year with the Lakers. I'm thinking to myself, my, senior, my son was a senior in high school at the time, my son. And I'm thinking, how can I, how can I finagle him meeting Kobe Bryant? How am I going to work this? i got to figure this out. So, I had a plan. And the way the plan worked was this. I called John Black, my buddy, then the longtime PR guy with the Lakers, that my son was now interning for me at the TV station I work at in Los Angeles. It was a little bit of a fudge, but, I mean, he wasn't like a kid kid. I mean, you know, he was a six-foot-two-inch senior in high school. (laughs) So... I went down to a Laker practice. Now, people don't know this. Kobe's last year, he didn't practice. Like, he was never at practice. Like, our buddy Tracy Murray was coaching at the time, and yep. I remember going yep. to this practice. There's no Kobe there. I mean, they got all the kids, the Angela Russell, they're all, you know, running around. Kobe would sort of show up once in a while. He was just trying to save himself to get through this yeah. season. And I knew he wasn't going to be there. That's, that wasn't my point of bringing my son to the practice. It was just sort of introduce him. Like, oh, here he is. This is our intern, my son, for the station. So I'm looking at the schedule and I'm saying, what game do I know Kobe's going to play in? And there it is. Cleveland. He ain't going to miss this last chance to play against uh, LeBron. You know he's going to be absolutely. at that game. So we put in for a credential for my intern <laughs> to join me at the game. And because I've been around so long, we had access. I'm sitting at the floor with him, watching the game all around. But it was after the game. So I have to do a couple of stand-ups for TV. Kobe had a press conference, and there's my son, like, in the third row. He's as close as I am to you. At least you got that close to him, right? Even if you don't really meet him. So I had to get off a little early, and I said, let's walk by the Laker locker room just in case. Just in case he might be still hanging around. So we walk by the Lake Locker Room at Staples Center, and guess what? He's talking to people. So I tell my son, I said, just stand here. Don't do anything. So he's walking around. All of a sudden, he looks up, and he sees me. He goes, Hartman, what are you doing here? (laughs) Because I hadn't actually been covering a lot of Lakers for a couple of years, you know, as opposed to being there all the time. So he walks up, and you can imagine my son is like eyeballs. I go, Kobe, you know, with all the crap I've given you over the years, it's unbelievable my son here happens to be your biggest fan. And Kobe could not have been better. I mean, he, and it's just the longtime Laker photog was standing right there. Hey, Steve, let me get a picture of uh, Kobe with your son. So he gets this picture. Kobe could not be nicer. Takes the time, talks to him. And, you know, I thank Kobe profusely. Thanks so much, Kobe. Great to see you. And we're walking out of Staples. And my son is like, what just happened? I said, well, I guess you, you just made a new friend. Well, that photo of the two of them has been on my son's wall forever. On the day of this tragedy, I just—I didn't even know what to say to my son. (sighs) So, I mean, you know, when when we talk about superstar athletes and how they can touch lives, Mm. and those superstar athletes that go the extra mile for fans, because like you said, when you were a kid trying to get that Kobe autograph, right? Oh, man. I mean, you're you' it's the biggest thing in the world, and it wasn't Kobe's fault, obviously. there was a certain amount of time. But when you're one of those athletes that take the time, just a moment just to say hello, recognize the name. Oh, you know yeah. he says my son's name, that lasts a lifetime, a lifetime. And as you said, That was Kobe. It wasn't just my kid. He's done that for thousands of people over the years, taking pictures, taking that time, that little extra time, that one little extra moment. As many ways as he was being pulled during his career, the Mamba Academy and everything else, whatever he was doing, he took that little extra time. And he made a lifetime of memories. So, I mean, it's very special for me. I get emotional because it was, it, it gave me a dad moment. Like, it was, I mean, it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, you made me look insanely good, dude, <laughs> like way beyond anything I could imagine. But that, if you want to know what Kobe was like, it wasn't just me or you. It's, it, he, I saw this with everybody
5: with Kobe. He was that kind of guy. Kobe cared about people. And I think one of the biggest, you know, why it hurts so bad, too, is one of the biggest, uh, I guess, attributes to his legacy or attributes, part of his legacy was when there was a player that was injured or hurt. Michael Jordan didn't reach out to the young, injured players in the league that, you know, came after him. You know, Michael was busy doing other things. It's not a knock to Michael Jordan. It wasn't his place. You know, it's not for everybody. You know, Tim Duncan wasn't reaching out to injured guys. Like, Kobe Bryant saw guys like Isaiah Thomas go down, mm-hmm. guys like Gordon Hayward go down, Paul George, you know, maybe and, and he saw that... I want to make sure that you're okay as a person. I want to pour into you the way that others poured into myself as we find out Michael Jordan poured into him. Kobe Bryant accepted his responsibility. We always look at these Hall of Fame players and even parents and and role models, and we assume they have a responsibility to us other than to be as great as they can be. Kobe accepted another responsibility that he did not have to have And would give 5, 10, 20 minutes, however long, to reach out to these uh, current players, to the young guys, to the next generation. Michael wasn't open and it wasn't just in You know, Michael's an owner. He's done amazing things. If you get to talk to Michael, he is in a, I mean, literally, he is the most loyal person you're going to find. But Kobe was like, I'm going to get out of my shell and do this. And Kobe had the same. He can't walk down a street regular. He can't walk into it. I mean, Kobe Bryant was so popular. He would be flocked and and surrounded by other NBA (laughs) players and embraced it. You know?
3: Yeah. He was a special man. No question about that. All right. On the other side, a couple other big names uh, getting inducted today into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Kevin Garnett and the big fundamental. Tim Duncan. I want to talk about these two bigs. Orion Hollins coming up next.
2: Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex National craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
4: Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino & Rich, here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck you buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold this value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer, check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
3: Steve Harbin, Ryan Hollins. Talking some hoops today because it is a big day. It is the day that the Basketball Hall of Fame Class of 2020 is... Being introduced, it is their induction day. We spent a lot talking about the late, great Kobe Bryant. But I want to talk about two bigs that you know very, very well. One, a former teammate. Start with Kevin Garnett, KG. KG changed the whole dynamic of the NBA when he came out of high school directly. We hadn't seen this in 20 years since the days of Moses Malone, where a kid was going to come directly out of high school into the NBA KG was the first of the new wave. And, of course, after that came the Kobe's, eventually all the way through the LeBron's. And KG was – I didn't know KG. Okay, I, I got to know Kobe Bryant. I didn't know KG. Certainly was an admirer of his game. You know, he was playing in anonymity for much of his career with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Had that one big year where he got the MVP, got him to the Western Conference Finals. And then all of a sudden he's in Boston, and then all of a sudden Kevin Garnett is everywhere. So you knew this guy. You played with this guy. Give us a little insight on Kevin
5: Garnett. For one, I don't say this lightly. I don't throw it around. And, and Steve, you'll probably never hear me say this about anybody else ever. That's how special this is. This Kevin Garnett changed my life. Mm. Um, I was probably on the outs of the NBA by the time I went to Boston and I do have more lenience for players younger players because sometimes they haven't been taught you need someone to teach you Heather Garnett taught me how to prepare how to be a professional uh how to carry myself as a man and and seemingly you know twenty five twenty six years old you're you're kind of I was in that like are you a young player are you a veteran <laughs> I was on the on the cusp at that time, and he extended my career to ten years I don't get it without kevin um Kevin has a level of professionalism and razor-sharp focus that I've never seen in an individual in my life, whether on the basketball court or not. Kevin approached shoot-around like it was Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Kevin Garnett stepped into practices, film sessions, and he he didn't just play the game, he embraced it. When Doc would make a call or a coverage and we'd walk over a game plan, it wasn't Doc's game plan. It was our game plan. I'm going to be right here, Rondo, and have you back. Paul, when I go, you have my back. Hollins, you got the X on the weak side. Like We embraced everything that we did. Kevin Garnett also, he had a way of instilling, and I played with other Hall of Famers before. And it's this funny thing that they have. They have a humility and a and a and a trust. Not a trust, but a I don't want to say a fear, a healthy fear of opposing players down to role players. Kevin Garnett remembered a bucket that I had scored on him like two years <laughs> prior. He remembered us playing at the UCLA men's gym and me windmilling on the break. And he would actually, we get in a game, he called me video game, because he said you jump like you're in a video game, like it's fake. So I'm a role player, dude, I'm nobody. But Kevin Garnett is instilling confidence in me. How hard do you think I played that year? Played for him, for my teammates, and embraced that moment. Kevin Garnett showed me that you can love the game of basketball within professional sports because every other teammate that I had showed me that you don't love the game. It's just a business and a paycheck, and it is possible to love the game. When we competed against teams, when we played game after game, when we stepped into practice, it was about you as a man versus the other guy on the other side. It wasn't a dollar. It wasn't a paycheck. It wasn't for Instagram. It wasn't for Twitter. Kevin Garnett gave this focus that man you give to the game of basketball and it gives back to you and you honor the game i remember our uh, cuz kevin is the greatest leader i've ever and probably one of the greatest leaders we've ever had i remember this funny story our our massage guy was vlad right and you know you you see it uh, see you you step into the locker room and there's a before the players are there done in the locker room there's a big platter of food you mm-hmm. know you know grapes oranges soup water, whatever, because these guys just came from a battle and we haven't eaten since 3 o'clock in the afternoon, right? right? And then it's 11 at night. calories. Oh, man. Kevin Garnett believed that the soldiers that go to war are the first to eat because they just went to war. You don't touch the food until everybody ate. Vlad stepped in. Vlad liked to get some soup. Vlad ain't played a game. <laughs> When I tell you that Kevin Garnett taught Vlad a lesson mm. and chewed into Vlad's behind because he ate, had some soup, and the players hadn't eaten yet, he just believed in an old school way of treating the game well. And I don't say that to demean Vlad, but I'd say that's how serious that Kevin Garnett took the game of basketball, and he did it the right way. Um, for me as a young guy, for him to instill confidence in me, I can't speak enough about volumes, but... There's a love and a passion that he has and a technique that it's, it's literally, it's unparalleled. And I took that focus with me and I got, I got 10 more years, but I was a guy, you know, you're trying to be a little too cool. Mm-hmm. You're a little too like KG's diving on the floor. He's throwing your elbows. He's doing that stuff and the mental preparation in the peace that you have going into games, you know, Kevin explained to me, because I, I went to him one time and he, Steve, you know me. Did you know the play? I was an emotional guy, you know. So I'd have these big, bright, amazing moments, and some games would be a dud because when you play on emotion, it's hard to be emotional from ten o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> until you know game time, right? So I go, not I was like, "How are you always turned up? Like, how are you always ready to play? You're always. How do you just always have energy?" He said, "Yo, youngin, what are you talking about?" He said, "Don't plan plan to all that." He said, "I'm at peace with myself." He said, "I always know on the floor where I'm gonna be, what's happening." I got a game plan and I'm visualizing the things that happen. He said next time in the game, he said he said he said look at me. He said uh he said watch during the timeouts. I'm meditating and visualizing on the things I'm about to do in the game. I'm coming to peace with myself and before I've done it, I've already seen it before. So for me, I was like, oh, use your head and think your way through. Or everyone sees the the storied moments before the game, right, where Kevin goes to the backstop, and he, it was some of the greatest pregame stuff routine <laughs> I've ever seen. Because I'm like, yo, like the raw, raw professional sports. is I know football players do a basketball players we too cool. Where he's hitting his head against the stanchion. He comes out off the lineup, high fives. He goes to the lineup and he's he's kind of saying, like talking to himself. Bangs his head against the stanchion, against the uh, the backboard, and then he and then he looks into the fans and the fans go crazy. He says, suddenly walks off." He's, he's Kevin's going crazy. Ah! No man, he's meditating. He's coming to peace with himself. So <laughs> there's so many things about Kevin. That are just amazing and instilling confidence in the throwback old school way of basketball of we're going to war we're not just competing that I love and I'm I'm thankful to him and I've never had a teammate or a, a person an individual in my life like that to teach me how serious these things are you know and, and and I and I thank him for it for it and I've I've grown because of Kevin
3: that is a major testimony to say the least, about Kevin Garnett. All right, on the other side, I want to talk about one of the most unique superstar athletes of all time, Tim Duncan. Hmm. I don't know how to compare him to anybody else. But first, let's find out what's trending right now. We welcome back Ralph Urban. Ralph. Ralph.
7: Aloha, gentlemen. And we have more finals in from the NBA, where Boston was, in fact, a winner over Minnesota. The Celtics win it 124 108 over Minnesota. Jason Tatum, 26 points, 11 rebounds. The Celtics snap a four-game losing streak, and they are locked in as the number seven seed in the East. Phoenix, a 140-103 win over San Antonio. Devin Booker, 27 points. The Suns had seven players in double figures, including Chris Paul. 16 points and 10 assists in the victory. And, yeah, the Suns are locked in right now at number two. In the Western Conference, second best record in the NBA. On to the Major League Baseball Diamonds, a final in from St. Pete, where Tampa Bay put together a five-run fourth inning and a six-run eighth inning. They beat the Mets 12-5. Right now, Oakland a 2-1 lead over Minnesota. That game is in the first. The Angels in Boston. The Red Sox up one-nothing, bottom of the first. The Cubs with a two nothing lead over Detroit. That's also in the bottom of the first inning. As we send it back now, it is Steve Hartman and Ryan Hollins. Go Bruins!
3: By the way, Ralph, we are getting word that Albert Pujols has reached a deal with the Dodgers. Now that is bizarre. Everybody Ooh, thought what? for sure that <laughs> I mean that he's purely a DH at this point of his career, right. and the fact that he would join a National League team, the Dodgers. So, wow. Uh, So after 11 years with the Cardinals and 10 years with the Angels, at least uh, the end of this season, it looks like Albert Pujols is going to finish up in a – Dodgers uniform.
7: Well, you know the Dodgers need him after losing to the Angels in the Freeway Series. <laughs>
3: Apparently so. So uh, <laughs> all right. So that that's 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 an interesting story right there. We'll have plenty on that coming up. All right, we're uh, we're talking about the big three from today's uh, basketball Hall of Fame class. We spoke about Kobe Bryant and the impact he had on our lives. Uh, you just heard Ryan Hollins uh, talk about uh, a man that had serious impact on his life, and Kevin Garnett. And then there's Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan, to me, and I've been around the sports scene a long time, Ryan, I cannot compare him to anybody in any sport. This is a guy whose resume is matched by very few in the history of the game. He was a five-time NBA champion, three-time finals MVP. He was a two-time regular season MVP. His resume is as good as all but a handful of players that have ever played the sport. And he did this and played nearly 20 seasons, despite playing four full years of college. He had opportunities to exit Wake Forest after his sophomore year, after his junior year. And he decided to play four full years of college. And he walked into the NBA in his first year. He was first team All-NBA, and he never looked back. They called him the Big Fundamental. I'm just curious from someone that was on the court with this guy, saw this guy, around this guy. Is he as big an anomaly as I have made him out to be, Ryan? Because seriously, I can't think of a single athlete with that resume that flew under the radar by choice the way Tim Duncan did.
5: You know we, you know maybe maybe we would go on a limb prior and say Tom Brady, but Tom showed us a little pizzazz. You yeah, like Tampa, Tampa Bay, okay? How about coming off the ship there, and throwing around? <laughs> right. He's having good. I,
3: no longer around that Belichick. Yeah, he was having yeah, a good exactly. time in Tampa for sure. Um, but so, I mean, you mentioned that's a very good point. Is it? Was it because of his relationship with Pop that uh, he conducted himself the way he did, or was that just who Tim Duncan was?
5: It was. Uh, Popovich and Tim and Manu and those guys, they created a family environment that could not be paralleled. And they assumed that it was going to just go as planned. And when in San Antonio, this family, your life are here. Kawhi Leonard, hang out with us. This is the deal. Kawhi was like, nah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, normal NBA players don't want to spend their time uh, in San Antonio, but it 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 worked out for Tim Duncan. Tim was a guy that, you know, you know it's funny you always talk about how great Shaquille O'Neal and Tim Duncan and Garnett those guys cuz they they kept me employed because you had to have <laughs> someone to guard them, okay? You had to have four or five <laughs> bigs yeah. on your roster. Sure. But I I listen Tim Duncan was so great that I saw the most – He, this is how great Tim – when you talk about a great player, Tim Duncan was so great that I made the most money that I have ever seen in my entire life or family or dreamed of off of having a good series against Tim Duncan because I was able to guard him when we, when we played in Dallas and I had you know a, a game that kind of set us over. I got a contract because of that. That's how great <laughs> Tim was. But a funny story, after that good game – I played against him, and it's funny, in the midst of that game, we're on the free throw line, and we're talking, and he's like, hey, hey, Ryan, you you seem like an excitable young gentleman, don't you? You're, you're, you're a bit fired up, aren't you? Whatever. He's, then I'm like, I'm nervous. I'm like, for one, you're on my wall at home, okay? For two... My heart is beating out my chest with a packed house in the playoffs and I'm guarding Tim Duncan. And I don't know what the heck is happening right now. And um, we kind of had that conversation. I'm like, it's Tim. What the heck? Mm. And the next time I played against Tim, Tim had remembered what happened and he hadn't forgotten me. Mm-hmm. I have a way, <laughs> Steve, you know, the way I play, I'm yeah. not being forgotten. Right? And Tim is on the line and we're kind of off the ball and he's, you know, it kind of like pushes me, and I'm like, you know, I gotta push him back. Like, mm-hmm. all right, like I, I, I fear no man. Like my dad put whoopings on me, like in the backyard <laughs> playing hoop. Like I fear no man. So I'm like, Tim, what are you doing, Tim? Don't hit me like that. I have so much respect for you. Why would you do that? Tim tells me, and don't worry, you don't have to get the beat button out. I, I, I see our guy <laughs> in the back. He goes, "F your respect. I'm gonna do what I want." I go, "Whoa, Tim, <laughs> where's this coming from?" A different side. Tim Duncan shows me, as we're losing grandiosely to the Spurs, <laughs> yeah. that he hadn't forgotten, and that he has this killer button in him that don't turn off. And the way he turned it on, he's an amazing guy. I, I like. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't believe it. But to to your point of mixing class and grace and humility and a dang dog competitor that go out in wins championship. There's nothing parallel. And then I go, in uh, one of my later years in the league, I go to a mini camp in San Antonio. And for one, a lot of teams don't have mini camps because it's like, why do we want to waste our resources on bringing in, you know, the the last guy on our roster? You, you know, we're, we're fighting for one spot. These guys might not even make it. When I went to San Antonio, Everybody was at that mini camp in the middle of the summer of the offseason. I mean, Udoka Azabuke, uh, 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 Azabuke, not Azabuke uh, I forget the guy. You'll you know his name. Anyways, Tony Parker was there. Tim was there. Pop was there. The entire organization was there. And afterwards, keep in mind, Tim Duncan had retired. He'd always floated around the organization. That's not normal in San Antonio. Tim Duncan goes, "Hey, we're gonna have boxing classes afterwards, And these guys come out, and it's a bunch of these you know, little trainers, and they're like, hey, we're going through boxing, and we're <laughs> we're going through the whole boxing plan. I'm like, I'm trying to make the team. So they're like, if they you want to do this boxing, you hop in or not' and it's like, i'm I'm in. if Tim's doing it, I'm doing it, you know right? Like I'm in family environment all the way. So afterwards, I'm in the, you know, training room with Tim. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm trying to make the team. So I'm like, hey, Tim, how you doing? This is fun. You know why you do this, this and that. Hey, Tim, why are you boxing? He goes, yeah, because I might have to fight a guy like you one day. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> Tim, I might have a Bible study for you before we have a fight, man. But um, his competitive drive in nature, it was second to none. And he was the staple for young bigs to play. You know, the the bank shot off the glass turnaround bank, we would refer to as the, the Tim Duncan shot. He's consistently, we we would run San Antonio's uh, ice wing play. The, we ran through, we ran their sets. Tim Duncan is San Antonio.
3: Going back to the fact that he played four years in college. <sighs> Unheard of, Four dude. years of college. Unheard of. We'll never see it again. Obviously, when you have a, a player of that stature, big man or not, you're not going to see four years of college from that kind of a talent. But how much did that help him? I mean, we always talk about, we talk about this in the NFL, like quarterbacks that only have like one year as a starter at the collegiate level. Could have been an incredible year, but there are certain fundamentals that when you get to the big show, they don't have time for that. These are instinctual things that have to be part of your repertoire when you get to the big show. And when you think about what he was coming into the NBA after four full years of college at Wake Forest, playing in the ACC against that level of competition, there's no reason, there was no question he was going to be a star from day one, which is exactly what he was. Um, How difficult has it been for some of these young players that are one-and-dones? And and now we're looking at probably going back to the days of the high schoolers. And look – we mentioned Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and the, the long list of guys that came straight out of high school that became the superstars of the NBA, but they didn't all come that way.
5: No. The way that these guys identify themselves is is, is everything, and the one-and-done you don't hear about the one-and-dones that go undrafted. You don't hear about the kids who can't return back to college. You don't hear about the kids, you know, that play a, a, a little bit of G League and then they're kind of forgotten overseas or well, injured. Well, how much
3: did it help you as you've re- described yourself as a role player the fact that you played four years
5: of college, how much did that help you going into the NBA? Oh, it was everything. I, I wouldn't say I came in as a grown man, but you know, I was. You know, I, I'd have been an idiot if I had to came <laughs> out earlier. It wouldn't have worked. But the, there's so much maturing to do, uh, Steve. You know, from the, the, any business, there's the unwritten rules of business that's a lot of times the young players don't get. But a guy like Tim Duncan, who could have come out earlier and still it gained his value, he just did things the right way. It set a level of consistency and humility in it. And I would advise any kid, if they have the game to go to the NBA, and more so beyond the game, the support system behind them, go to the NBA. If you get injured in college, we'll, we'll, sure. you'll have never made your money. But ultimately, for the guys who had stayed, and for myself who played four years, when I got to the NBA, you know how much of a blessing it is, and you don't take anything for granted. And I and I just think about the humility of Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan. And, and there's no pop without Tim. Like, like, don't forget none of that. Like they were in the lottery to get Tim Duncan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and pop. And I remember one time, you know, not that it's about pop, but just to pop in Tim. I'm in Memphis and I and I'm going, you know, eating my food. I'm staying in the hotel. Popovich is just walking the street by himself in the middle of Memphis and just going out to have, you know, like a glass of wine. And just, you could not tell me he wasn't a regular old guy on the street. That's how he's built. That's how Tim Duncan's built. But the humility that they have, people always think the greatest basketball player is the most arrogant. The Hall of Famers I've seen and I've been around are the best, not players in the room, not most dick, decor- they're best people, Okay. Make no mistake, if there's a young kid, there's a parent, there's someone watching, when I talk to my kids, I tell them, they are the be- Tim Duncan's one of the best human beings you're going to beat. I, Dirk Nefisk, he's not in this class. He will be one of the best human beings I've ever been around. Humble. Kevin Garnett, the same way. Kobe Bryant, the same way. It goes hand in hand. You give to the game, you give to life, and it gives back to you. All right. On the other
3: side, we're going to put a wrap on this with a look back on what has been a very historic day for the NBA coming up next.
2: Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex
8: And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
3: I want to thank the crew today, Iowa Sam. Big Sam. You like his uh, choice of tunes today, Ryan? Big Sam. So. Yeah, not too shabby. <laughs> not too shabby. Our fellow Bruin, Ralph Irvin.
5: Big Ralph. Oh, yeah.
3: Big Ralph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there he is. All right. All right. All right. Normally in his Packers gear, but today donning the Mookie Betts Dodgers jersey. Producer Lee, Big right Lee. there. There he is. Hi, Lee, you're wearing the Dodger jersey. How do you feel about our pools? Joining the Dodgers. Hey, man, we'll take him. i buy a Pujols jersey. I'd rock a Dodgers Pujols jersey. By the way, you know, there's always that question about Pujols and, like, what happened? Why wasn't he ever the hitter with the Angels that he was with the Cardinals? But one thing I will say about Albert Pujols, even if you consider his 10 years as an Angel a disappointment, he did, didn't disappoint as an individual. I and mean, this guy is uh, a class act. You talk about class acts? That's Albert Pujols. He and his wife had done incredible charities over the years. Um, So even if, you know, the production wasn't what he was, well, I mean, he had one of the greatest decades of any baseball player ever in his years with uh, St. Louis. But again, a guy that, you know, understands that when you are a, a player of that level comes a certain level of responsibility. You either choose to take it on or you choose not to take it on. And uh, he chose to do that. So I have nothing respect for Albert Pujols, the person, even if his numbers with the Angels were far short of what he did as a cardinal. Uh, We were just talking uh, during the break here about another guy that's on this nominee list for it's a little confusing because we have the induction ceremony today. We've talked about Kobe and KG and Duncan, but tomorrow they are going to announce another Hall of Fame class for the class of 2021. We talked a little bit about Paul Pierce and Ben Wallace and Chris Bosch, But there's another guy predates you at UCLA named Marcus Shunts. And I was there. His senior year was my freshman year at UCLA. It was the year they brought back the dunk. People don't know this. The dunk was actually outlawed by college basketball for nine years. David Thompson, one of the all-time greats. Skywalker, Ooh. right? Never got to dunk at North Carolina State. Won a national championship. He put on a show once he got to the ABA and the NBA. But same thing with Marcus Johnson. He had waited four years to finally get to dunk. And, boy, he dunked his way all the way to the first ever Wooden Award. Had some great years with the Milwaukee Bucks. Played with the Clippers a little bit. Had some good comeback years there. To me, I mean, again, if the Basketball Hall of Fame is for your entire career, he was a legend here in L.A. at Crenshaw High School. Under the Coach West of one of the great high school basketball coaches of all time. To me, sort of a no-brainer, right, Marcus Johnson?
5: Yeah, Marcus is a no-brainer. For those who don't know, the original point forward, Mm -hmm. and I actually went to school with Josiah Johnson. Mm -hmm. You know, Chris would come around. The the Johnsons, they're like my my, my brewing my family away from family. (laughs) And what's funny, you know, I was just this skinny kid out of Pasadena in the men's gym playing basketball. Marcus Johnson was probably one of the first people that came up to me, and I kid you not, he goes, oh, you're going to be a 10-year NBA pro. 10-year-plus NBA pro. Like, I'm looking at you, the way you move, you Man. jump, you're a 10-year NBA pro, and nobody else saw it. Nobody, I was just, you know, I, I wasn't high, I wasn't a McDonald's All-American, anything. Marcus Johnson saw me, and he knew that from day one. Shout out to the Johnson family, but if you look at his resume from college, from mm. NBA, that's, that's a note, and the original, you don't put the original point forward. Too many dudes ain't called the original point <laughs> forward than Marcus, but you talk about somebody and you can speak to it better than I can, that had everything Everything. Everything. And was part of John Wooden's last championship
3: team. Speaking of UCLA, all right, I'm going to be a little selfish here, okay? (laughs) I'm going to be a little bit selfish here. We only have about a minute to go. But our Bruins had a magical run to the Final Four. Johnny Juzang, he sort of put it out there about the draft. He hasn't hired an agent right now. They got a kid coming in, Peyton Watson, a five-star recruit. Just how good is UCLA going to be next season? What's your prediction here, Ryan?
5: Listen, I I don't like to go out and say championship. I'm not going to do that. Mm. But, uh, Mm. you know, I had an opportunity to cover college basketball. And I tell you, uh, if Mick has the talent, and he does, and and they're healthy, the sky's the limit. Because he put on a a coaching display Mm. that I had not seen in a very long time. And I know that he may not be the sexiest name in college basketball, not yet. But Mick Cronin, I believe is going to bring a championship back to Westwood he's that he's that darn good. Your old coach Ben Hallen is the kind of
3: guy what he did with you guys to get you to that uh, final that turnaround from a losing season to the final championship game in two years
5: nah Ben look man Ben was excellent he he set the the table he taught us athletes how to defend my man Ryan always a pleasure man thanks so much nah my man pleasure working with you.
1: Craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeart Country Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
0: This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class.